Psalm 116, hear the word of the Lord. I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications, because he has inclined his ear unto me. Therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. The sorrows of death compassed me, the pangs of hell gat hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with me. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore I have spoken, I was greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly, I am thy servant. I am thy servant and the son made and the son of thine handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and I will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of thee, O Jerusalem, praise ye the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. O Lord, we do plead for thy mercies this evening as we gather together that we might meditate rightly upon thy word. I ask, O Lord, that we would see in the pages of Holy Scripture, particularly this psalm, that instruction that you have for us tonight. We ask, O Lord, that thou wouldst be pleased to bless the one who stands before thee to bring thy word. We ask that we would see Christ and that we would see the fullness of joy in him. And we ask this in his name and for his sake. Amen. Please be seated. Well, we are coming to the end of what we have seen as the Hallelujah Psalms, particularly those Psalms that begin or end with that phrase, Praise ye the Lord, or Hallelujah. We looked last time at 116, particularly a Psalm, or 115, uh, the Psalm that speaks of God's greatness and the glory of God magnified among His people. And now we turn tonight particularly to this psalm, which most likely is a psalm of thanksgiving by an individual. It is an individual praise or thanksgiving unto the Lord for deliverance from death, for deliverance from sin. As with many psalms, particularly some of these hallelujah psalms, there is no occasion or author that is given, but it simply is a psalm of thanksgiving for the mercies and the goodness of God. John Calvin sees David as the author. Many believe that that David wrote this particular psalm. 
And yet we don't have any indication of who wrote this psalm. It certainly could be David. And yet here as we consider this psalm, the psalmist praises God for his deliverance from death and for the wonderful blessings of that salvation that we have in him. And so as we think upon this psalm this evening, I would like for us to begin by looking at those first four verses as a remembrance of the psalmist's anguish. The psalmist begins here in praise and adoration before his God and says, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplication. Appreciate this evening, uh, Elder Detroit laying out for us there in how we are to pray. That call to, to prayer, that reminder of the awful apprehension of the majesty of God, of that enlargement of our hearts. And as we consider that here in this opening verse, the psalmist expresses his love for the Lord. The psalmist expresses his desire for the Lord. He says, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplication. And so right in the very beginning, the psalmist expresses that he loves the Lord particularly because God hears his prayers and his supplications. And in typical Hebrew fashion, we see a contrast to that in verse 2. We see that Hebrew uh, poetry, I love the Lord because he's heard my voice, because he has inclined his ear unto me. He, he builds upon verse 1, Therefore I will call upon him as long as I live. And so the psalmist breaks forth in thanksgiving and praise for this God who indeed hears his prayer of supplication. Here is what some would call an infectious delight. Speaking of the gratitude and the thanksgiving unto God for this one who has found an answer unto their prayers. Particularly there in verse 1 is it says, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplication. Psalmist doesn't give us any details as to how the Lord heard, but there's an indication in that verse that the Lord has heard and has answered his prayers. Whatever things came to mind in the psalmist, the Lord inclined, the psalmist says, his ear unto me. This phrase that is used in Hebrew poetry here shows the inclining of an ear. And yet we know that God is a spirit who has no parts, no passions. And yet here it defines the one who inclines his ear unto the voice of the one who brings his supplication and his prayers unto the Lord. I believe I've mentioned this before, but that word Lord as it is used there in the uppercase, particularly in the authorized version, and you see this throughout the Psalms, is that word Jehovah. I want to just touch on that a moment because he says, I love the Lord. Now, Obviously, the Lord is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And yet, Lord here being Jehovah, 
is the one who describes himself as the eternal one, as the self-existent one. Jehovah is that word that expresses God as the I am. His name, not his title, is indeed Lord. Moses at the burning bush, when he asked the Lord, Who shall I say sent me? Tell them that I am. That is Jehovah, the self-existent one, has sent thee. And so in the authorized version, when you see that word Lord in all of the upper cases, it's that word Jehovah. When we see that word Jehovah often used in the Old Testament, we see Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides for his people. Jehovah Shalom, the God who is my peace. Jehovah Ra, the Lord who indeed is my shepherd. And certainly we could describe this Lord here in this text of Scripture as the one who provides. Because as the psalmist utters his supplications unto the Lord, the Lord hears, the Lord provides all that he needs. The Lord hears his, his prayer because he feels overwhelmed. And there's, a, there's an overwhelming sense in this psalm. You don't see it on the surface, but you certainly see it in verse 3. There's an overwhelming sense of death. There's an overwhelming sense of, of, of sorrow and, and pain. And yet, Jehovah provides for his people as they pray and as they seek the Lord. He is their peace. We see that later on in the psalm, that he provides rest for his people. That he is our shepherd. And as David describes there in Psalm 23, I shall not want... Saints of God, what is it that we need? If the Lord is our shepherd and we lack nothing, we pray that we might call upon him. We pray that he might come and answer us, that he might respond to us in our need. And here is the wonderful blessing of salvation for the believer. That the Lord indeed hears his voice, hears his supplications. The thought here is not a God who just simply is so distant that he hears, but he doesn't come to the aid. I think there's that sense oftentimes, even in the life of the believer, isn't it? We simply pray and we just kind of give no thought to the fact that God has actually heard our prayers. That God is is coming to our aid. That God is, is certainly giving heed to those prayers. He is not so distant that he does not hear us when we pray. He is Jehovah Shalom, the God who is our peace. He is our shepherd. He is the one who hears us. And he says that he hears my voice, and so I love him. Because he's inclined his ear unto me, therefore I will call upon him. As long as I live. And there's this urgency of what we have been encouraged to do tonight in our application of the larger catechism. There's, there's a, a call to the urgency of prayer. The psalmist doesn't just simply pray for a short time or for a season. The psalmist prays, how long? As long as I live. Prayer is the heartbeat of the psalmist. Prayer is the heartbeat of the believer. And yet so often we, like practical atheists, 
don't give ourselves earnestly to prayer. And yet the psalmist loves the Lord because he knows the Lord hears his prayers. That the Lord indeed is attentive to his prayers. He listens attently to the prayers of his people. Therefore, I will call upon the Lord. Psalm 86, verse 1, and in that prayer of David, David prays, Bow down thine ear, O Lord. Hear me, for I am poor and needy. There are a number of psalms, and particularly in some of these Hallel psalms that we have seen, there's a sense in which the psalmist comes before the Lord poor and needy. But here in this particular psalm, the psalmist comes before the Lord sensing his need for deliverance, particularly from death. I think this is a particular noteworthy psalm. Many believe, and this was the position of the early church fathers, that this psalm refers to the passion, the death, and the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the psalm that was sung by Jesus and his disciples at that Last Supper, when Jesus instituted the sacrament there for the church. And so in this psalm of thanksgiving, he gives praise unto God, gives thanks because the Lord has delivered him. And it's a reminder, as we saw even in that Passover celebration, that God delivered his people from Pharaoh, but more importantly, God delivers his people from the power of sin and death. And what better way to pray to offer up our thanksgiving unto God for that salvation that he has granted unto us. Answered prayer oftentimes encourages us more to pray. I used to do this. I don't often do this, I guess, as I get older. I, we all pray uh, in specific manners, but... I used to keep a log or a journal, and when that prayer was answered, what would you do? You would give the date when it was answered, and you would, you would um, state how it was answered, how the Lord moved in that situation. But here the psalmist has his prayers answered, and therefore he prays all the more earnestly. And so as we've been encouraged tonight, and as we have heard the last number of weeks in this this uh, challenge to pray, do we pray with that sense of not just duty, but we pray out of a love and a devotion to the Lord. And so here as the psalmist continues in this psalm, he is reminded of the anguish. The Lord listens intently to his prayers. Jehovah comes to the aid of the psalmist. Jehovah comes to the aid of his people. He is the God who can be trusted. The picture there in verse 8, the sorrows of death compassed me, the pains of hell gat hold upon me, and I found trouble and sorrow. And so the psalmist remembers this anguish. He remembers the sorrows and the difficulties that come. And as we think particularly upon this picture of this, the um, psalmist under the sentence of, of sorrow and death, picture is drawn from uh, Psalm 18 in verse 4. 
I draw your attention to Psalm 18 and verse 4. Here's a psalm of David particularly when he is delivered from the hand of all of his enemies and particularly from the hand of Saul. And he uses the same phrase here in 18.4 as is used in Psalm 116.3. I will call upon the Lord or the sorrows of death compassed me and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. But in my distress, I called upon the Lord and he cried unto my God. He heard my prayer out of his temple. And my cry came before him, even into his ears. But things in life perhaps Compassed us, what things even in the night seasons come upon us? What distresses do we face? Is it, is it health? Is it, is it the f- fear of the unknown? Is it, is it worry? Is it what may happen? All kinds of things can flood our minds. And the psalmist here is certainly in distress. But in his distress, he doesn't fret. He doesn't fret like the world frets. And he goes and calls unto the Lord, and the Lord hears him and answers his prayer. And so David in Psalm 18, with gratitude unto God, gives thanks that he has delivered him from the power of his enemies. The same thought here in Psalm 116, that the Lord has delivered the psalmist from death, from the sorrows that compassed him. He states there at the end of verse 3, I found trouble and sorrow. Isn't that what we find in life? We live in this valley of death, as David describes there in Psalm 23. We walk in this valley of death, and what do we find? We find trouble, we find sorrow, we find heartache. Perhaps when we're younger, we don't think about that. I think as we get older, we we see that from experience more and more. But it's in those times when we find sorrow and trouble that we find ourselves under, under whatever agony weighs upon us, that we turn unto the Lord because He indeed is gracious and kind toward us. And so the psalmist here remembers the anguish. He remembers that he is continually bombarded by those who seek after him. But there in verse 4, we see that his refuge is found only in the name of the Lord, his God. Then I called upon the name of the Lord, upon the name of the Lord Jehovah, and I said, beseech, deliver my soul. And then the psalmist not only speaks of that anguish, but he remembers the mercy of the Lord in verses 5 through 11. So he remembers the mercy of the Lord. This is particularly noteworthy, and we've seen this as a repetition in the Psalms. We remember the mercies of the Lord. Isn't that what strengthens us in life? 
Isn't that what strengthens us when we feel ourselves under the weight of, of sin, under the weight of, of death? Perhaps death is imminent. Perhaps um, that is something that we don't often consider, but yet it is the mercies of the Lord that sustains us. Notice here the psalmist describes the Lord as being gracious, righteous, and yea, even merciful. So the psalmist there speaks of the compassion and the mercy of the Lord. He speaks of that mercy that the Lord has for his people. Here the psalmist, as he expresses his gratitude unto the Lord, we see that that gratitude comes from the soul of one who is converted. If one is not converted, if one's heart is unchanged and unmoved, if one's soul is under the power of sin and death, There is no gratitude. I think this is the day in which we live in. We live in a day, and we see this oftentimes even in the church. There is no gratitude. I oftentimes wonder when we don't see gratitude, it doesn't come from a heart of thanksgiving. It doesn't come from the soul of a converted man or woman. It comes from one who does not understand the mercy of God. And so we we respond as the psalmist responds in gratitude because of God's mercy. He loves him. He calls upon him. He gives thanks unto this God who is gracious, merciful. There in verse 7, particularly wonderful verse, reminder to us, return unto thy rest, O my soul. For the Lord has doubt has dealt bountifully with me. There are those times that we need that rest. The Sabbath, the Lord's Day indeed, is a rest. And sometimes we we don't, we struggle with that. We fight against that. We have too many activities. We have too many things that can disturb that rest. And yet the psalmist says, return my soul unto rest. Grant me rest. Rest from the deliverance of my enemies, from the from sin, from death. The Lord preserves His people. Verse 6. The Lord watches over the simple. The word there for simple is not someone who is naive or perhaps uh, stupid in the, in the understanding of how that word is used. He's not someone who is na- naive, but He's one who is teachable. The Lord preserves those who are His children. The Lord does not preserve sinners. He preserves saints. And when the Lord preserves them, the psalmist says, I was brought low. I was brought to a very low place. And yet God helped me. There's something to think about tonight as we look at this. Has there been a time in your life when you've been brought low? Perhaps it's the the sin that easily entangles you. Perhaps it's some particular sin that has its tentacles in your, in your affections and your heart and, and you have felt brought low in that condition. Perhaps God has brought affliction upon your life and has brought you to that low place. Don't feel discouraged when that happens because the psalmist says it's in that low place, it's in that low condition that God comes and gives aid unto us. And so his soul indeed is at rest. 
He can sing. He can give praise unto God for his glorious salvation. For he has indeed found rest in the Lord his God. O saints of God, our rest is found only in the Lord Jesus Christ. As the early bishop says, our hearts are like a vacuum. They are restless until they find their rest in thee. Oh, may we find our rest as the psalmist does in the Lord Jehovah, the creator of heaven and earth. The psalmist describes here that the Lord has granted him rest because he's delivered his soul from death. He's delivered his eyes from tears, his feet from falling. All of these expressions that show us that the psalmist is facing the deepest, darkest night of the soul, and yet he finds that his hope is in the Lord, his God. As we continue to look there at those mercies of the Lord, verses 10 and 11, I believe, therefore I have spoken, I was greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. And then the psalmist Remembering the mercies of the Lord breaks forth in gratitude and thanksgiving in verses 12 through 19. He has remembered the the state that he is in. He has remembered the anguish of his soul. He's remembered the mercies of God. And now he breaks forth in, in gratitude and thanksgiving. Verse 12, what shall I render? This is the question the psalmist has unto the Lord for all of his benefits toward me. We have had a season at the Lord's table. We remember the benefits and the mercies that the Lord has granted unto us. But the psalmist asks that question of himself. What shall I render? What shall I give? What shall I offer to the Lord because of all of his mercies. And then he says, I will take up that cup of salvation. I will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord. Where? In the presence of all his people. The, que- the question the psalmist asks is a question. What can I give to the Lord for all of his benefits for me? The Lord has granted us so much mercy, and yet we can never fully pay the debt. The Lord Jesus Christ paid that debt for us. Here the psalmist simply says, I will take up that cup of salvation, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. There are a number of references and numbers of ways that we see this expression used in the, in the Scriptures, the cup of salvation. Oftentimes it's a cup of of drink offering, or it's an oblation that is used in, in festival celebrations. You see this in Numbers chapter 29, verse 19. You see the cup that is used there at the Passover in Matthew chapter 26, verse 27. There's another reference to a cup that is used in Psalm 16, and that is the lot of the believer. The Lord Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane says, Father, what? Take this cup, take this lot from me. 
yet not my will, but thine be done. And so that cup of salvation is most likely used here as a cup of oblation or a cup of offering. And the psalmist is simply saying, I will offer thanksgiving unto the Lord for all that he has done for me. That cup of salvation the psalmist uses here is a metaphor for the good portion that he has received from his Savior. I draw your attention there to Psalm 16.5. Psalm 16.5. The Lord is my portion and mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest thy lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a godly heritage. Verse 9, therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices and my flesh shall what? Rest in hope. And so here, this metaphor that the psalmist uses, the cup of salvation, shows that good portion that we have received from the Lord Jesus Christ. That cup of salvation is the offering up of thanksgiving. We oftentimes refer to the Lord's Supper as the Eucharist, which simply is a word for thanksgiving. There's nothing offered in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. Contrary to what the Roman Church says, there is no unbloody sacrifice being offered on the altar. There's nothing being offered on that altar. It's simply the praises and thanksgiving of the people for the mercies that Christ has given. And so that's the only thing we offer up is our thanksgiving. And so we pay our vows. We keep our solemn oaths. We keep our solemn promises in the presence of all of His people. That is why we give oaths and vows in public worship. Because we are called to do that as an expression of our gratitude and thanksgiving for the Lord's mercy. What is our solemn commitments? What is the solemn vows that we are to pay before the Lord? And so that is what the psalmist says, I will pay my vows. Then he comes to this phrase here in verse 15, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. His highly valued ones, those on whom the Lord has granted his mercy, the ones whom the Lord has given that saving grace, people indeed are valued and precious in his sight. Even under this this weight of death of which the psalmist speaks of there in verse 3, even when the sorrows of death seem to be coming against us, and that could be spoken of the Lord Jesus Christ at the cross, the sorrows of death indeed had encompassed him. And yet the psalmist interjects here that precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of a saint. Charles Spurgeon makes a wonderful observation that in the death of the believer, that as the believer takes that last breath, that is the most beautiful 
and glorious experience of the believer. Because he's in the, he's in the presence of the Lord. He is, he is coming to see the Lord. It was said of, of uh, I believe it was of Mr. Rutherford, or Mr. I forget which one it was, but it was said of him when he was on his deathbed. He says, how are you doing? And he says, all is well. He was on his deathbed under the agony of, of, of great pain, a young man, and yet he says, all things are well. Believer, when we come to death's approaching hour, can we say all is well? Can we say that this indeed is precious in the sight of the Lord? And then the psalmist concludes there and says that I am thy servant, I am thy handmaid, the son of thine handmaid, thou hast loosed my bonds. The psalmist expresses with gratitude that the Lord has delivered him from the bonds most likely of death. Speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, he was released from the bonds of death. The scripture says death could not hold him. Death could not contain him. And so he says, I will offer up to thee the sacrifices of thanksgiving. I will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows in the presence of all his people. Twice, verse 14, verse 18, there's, there's a refrain here. After verse 13, I will pay my vows unto the Lord in the presence of his people. Verse 17, I will offer to thee the sacrifices of thanksgiving. I will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows. Where do I pay my vows? In the courts of the Lord's house. In the midst of his people. And so this sacrifice of thanksgiving that is offered there in verse 17 is that offering of praise unto the Lord. Such a wonderful salvation that the Lord Jesus has granted unto us. Even when we are under the agony of death, even when we feel the weight of sin, when we feel the weight of our enemies coming against us, we find that wonderful truth there that we find in the Gospel of John that no one loves the Father more than the Son, and no one has had a more earnest and effective prayer life than the life of the Lord Jesus. There in John 17, he's praying for us. What a beautiful uh, prayer life that the Lord Jesus Christ has, has for us. He's even interceding now for us. And yet we can never, ever measure up to that kind of prayer life because he is perfect in his humanity. And yet we are called to give of our to offer our thanksgiving and our praises unto God. We will always fail. We will never faithfully commit keep those commitments and vows to the Lord. But the psalmist makes that concerted desire, that concerted duty to pay his vows unto the Lord, to offer up that acceptable worship unto him. The Lord Jesus Christ, saints, entered in fully the sorrows of death, that he was raised up 
to that heavenly rest. Today, the Lord Jesus Christ drinks from that cup of salvation and intercedes for all of His saints in glory. The Lord Jesus Christ, sitting in glory at the right hand of the Father, intercedes for us. He pleads before the Father on our behalf. He will never fail to keep His commitments. He will never fail to pray for all of His saints. And so in conclusion, as we consider Psalm 116 tonight, how does this psalm show us the joys that belong to the Lord Jesus Christ? We saw that this morning. He earnestly desired to eat the Passover meal with his disciples. He earnestly desired to enter into fellowship with him. What greater joy we have than to be in fellowship one with another. That fellowship is not just coming and and talking about the weather and, and eating a meal. That fellowship entails that we are united to one another because of Christ and there's a duty we have to encourage one another and to, co- to collectively offer up our praises unto the Lord. And so as we feel the weight of sin, as we come to the end of our earthly journey, we, we feel the sorrows of death. Remember the Lord Jesus Christ has already faced those on our behalf. And yet what glorious victory awaits the saints of God. That even in death, All things are well. So let us give thanks unto this God. Let us continue to love him earnestly. Let us continue to pray earnestly unto him. And let us, saints, every Lord's Day, offer up those public vows and those thanksgivings unto the Lord for all of his mercies. May we pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we do give Thee thanks that Thou didst willingly go to the cross, that Thou didst drink that cup of salvation on our behalf, that Thou didst intercede for us and are interceding for us in glory. Lord Jesus, we confess that oftentimes we feel the weight of the world upon us. We feel the weight of sin upon us. We feel surrounded even by our enemies. And we thank Thee that Thou hast tasted all of this except sin on our behalf. Thou who knew no sin became our righteousness and our sanctification and our redemption. And so we pray that Thou wouldst grant us joy in our journey, that Thou wouldst continue to strengthen us and sustain us when we feel the weariness and the weight of the world upon us, we do thank Thee that Thou has experienced all of this for us. We long for that glorious day when the saints of God will indeed be in Thy presence. Lord, comfort and encourage our hearts even tonight. For We ask this in Thy name and for Thy sake. Amen. So now we will stand and sing together Psalm 116a, I love the Lord 
because he hath heard.